9, and 10. Thank you for being here tonight again. You are the disciples of Christ. Thank God for the crowd, but let's thank God for the disciples. Praise God. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparels, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so come, so, so come, in like manner, as you've seen him go up into heaven. This same Jesus, this same Jesus, shall come back and go up into heaven and come back down from heaven. Lord Jesus, bless this service. We are praying, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, we pray. We want you to come. Don't delay your coming. Come, Lord Jesus. I will not sing that song. Wait a little longer, Jesus. I'm going to sing, Hurry Up, Jesus. John says, Come quickly. That's our prayers tonight. Bless every family. Answer every prayer request in their hearts. God put food on the table. God shelter on their heads. My God, and put, oh God, Hope in their hearts. Could we live in perilous times, but it's also precious times. It could be the worst of times, but still the best of times. Bless this service. We pray in Jesus' name. You may be seated. My title is The Second Coming of Jesus Christ. The Second Coming of Jesus Christ. For the last Ten years I've been going to conferences and special call meetings, and I have never been to any where anybody ever titled it based on the coming of Jesus. They don't preach the rapture. To be honest with you, since I left my home church, I've never heard it preached, never heard it talked about. The only place I've heard it talked about is a church where I was born again in. Every so often, we were reminded that there's a coming of the Lord, and that Jesus is coming, and there's a rapture. And all the speakers that were brought in that church preached about the coming of the Lord and the rapture. And it made me shiver in my boots. It made me get anxious in prayer. It made me always question myself, and test myself if I was ready. And we were always stirred when you talk about Calvary and when you talk about the coming of the Lord. Unfortunately, everywhere I've been, I'm not trying to cast a shadow on anybody, but wherever I've been, it's just not talked about. In fact, it's not even sang about. People don't sing about His coming in, um, anymore. In fact, I mean, you don't know any song that deal with the coming of the Lord. They know nothing about His coming. They sing song that sing one verse 15 times and go back to it again 
16 times, but there's no experience about the coming of the Lord. Nothing about His blood. But Jesus Christ, angels, spoke words that defy the skeptics and the rationalists and the naysayers. As far as Israel is concerned, Jesus is dead. He's a corpse. As far as the world is concerned, some think he never was. Some think he came and died and was a lunatic. <laughs> For the lunatic fringe and all that believe on him are as mad as he is. The Jews don't believe one iota thing, Jesus said. In fact, they think he's a madman. They wrote him off. Jesus came back from the dead, even though they tried to stop him. They couldn't do it. You can't keep a good man down. He rose back up. He's just like Daniel that came out of the lion's den. All the great men of philosophy and science, they all died and stayed dead, and they have not returned. I don't believe stories where people see ghosts. It's a lie. It's a figment of satanic imagination. Once you die, you stay dead. You will not come back until the appointed time when God called all the dead to live again. Until then, it is impossible for you to come back and live on this earth. It is impossible for you to communicate to anybody in this world. You cannot cross that line. Once you die, you stay dead. If you go to hell, you'll be there forever. He said, well, why would God torment anybody for so long? Let me tell you, friend, God let me know time only belongs to earth. Anything below the earth, time is irrelevant. Anybody above the earth, time is irrelevant. Time only makes sense to living creatures, you and me. But the moment you die, time ceases to exist. There's no sun or moon in hell. There's no sun or moon in heaven. It just don't exist. Time is only here. So you better make use of your time. Now, I want to tell you, Canada made a terrible mistake. And Canada have okayed mercy killing. And have allowed people to do uh, assisted suicide, kill themselves. But it's a horrible mistake. I wish I could grab those people and talk to them. So look, I don't care how bad things are on this life. You're better off here than go down there. Because you can't come back. You cannot stop the, the wailing and the crying and the cussing that's going on down there. It, Jesus said they're not coming out until Judgment Day. Judgment come the lake of fire. Ten billion times worse. So no matter how tough life is, put up and shut up. Put up and shut up. Because you're still better off. At least you can go on a vacation if you want to. You can go to a hospital if you're sick. But if you die, nobody can help you. And you can't walk out of that place. Hallelujah. Where you lie, that's where you stay. If they walk away from the casket, you never move from that casket. You stay there, dink and stunk and all that stuff, and that's how it's going to be. Thank God for life. Let's celebrate life right now. Come on. Thank God for your life. I thank God for life. You can't repent. You can't get saved. He is filthy, stay filthy still. 
He that's holy, stay holy still. God said, you're frozen in character. So please. But Jesus is supposed to be dead. Well, there's a guy in the Bahamas, very famous. I won't call him by name. He's dead now. Just died recently. He's very famous. And he said, people does not go to church to hear about the cross. He said, Jesus is not the, the gospel news. He said, the cross and the resurrection is not the news. Well, a few years later, he crashed. The entire staff died with him. But Jesus still is the good news. He still is the good news. And what's so ironic was his plane crashed in the garbage pile. Amen. Jesus will still be Lord. No matter what you do with him. You can't keep him in the tomb. You can't stop folks from believing on him. Ask a man today, how do they believe on Jesus in your country? Amen. When death penalty is there. He said, no, no, no. Nobody witnessed for Jesus in that respect. He said, Jesus appeared to them. And they have an experience they will die for. Amazing. Amazing. No matter how terrible the lions are, God can shut their mouth. No matter how hot the fire is, God can quench the fire. And I'm so glad He can give us life again. Clap in to Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is alive. Ever more. I was dead. Not I'm dead. I was dead. And I'm alive forevermore. Get your hand up, folks. I'm going to walk in Scripture today, tonight, because I want to do to you what it was done to me when I was a kid in the faith. I want to show something to the Lord. Is it all right? I want you to get a revelation of who Jesus is. All right? Now, you young Pentecostal future, this chart will be up here for the last time. Next week it won't be up here. I'll be taking it down. All right? Because there's a reason why I'm going to take it down. I'm going to go from the back of my study and move towards the front. Can I do that? From empty chart to a chart right here. I'm going to give you some biblical reasons for the hope that is in you. Because of the world conditions coming up, if you don't have hope, you're going to panic. If you know your God, you will be strong. You will not be unstable and weak and wishy and all that stuff. You will be strong. People will not die for what they don't believe in. People won't stand for what they believe unless they believe in something. Now, Jesus' first coming was on the colt of an ass. He came in on a donkey. That does not mean anything to you. But to scholars and Jews, it meant the colt was a symbol of peace. He came to us as the prince of peace. Turning the other cheek and being slapped, kicked, and pushed around. That's not the Jewish concept of a strong Messiah. They want somebody like Jenkins Gun. <laughs> strong and powerful. But that's not Jesus. He was humble. In weakness, he came to us. Isaiah 53. He came weak 
and but not inferior. The next time he come back to our world, he's come back on a white horse. You know the story of David. David sent some embassies to a man that was to be comforted on the colt of an ass. And they did something very irreligious to David's servants. And David got mad and sent some horses there and tore up their country. Now, I want to talk to you about the fact, the time of his coming. Now, I'm hoping on the board to put the scriptures up there. I know I'm blocking your view, but I can't help it because I want to show you what. The time of his coming is known. Coming is known. The place of his coming is known. The visibility of his coming is known. And also, the personage of his coming is known. Then there are symbolism that personify the coming of Jesus. The Bible talks about Jesus coming as a thief in the night. Now, you know how a thief is. Come unannounced. Coming as a thief in the night. Also, he's coming as a stone that's cut out of a mountain right here. Amen. I'm going to hit something right here, right here, and destroy this stone. Going to hit this guy right here and knock him down. These are symbols of the coming Jesus. Other symbols of Jesus. He's coming as the Son of Man. Amen. He'll come suddenly. He's coming as also an eagle going after a carcass. He's coming also in terms of the day of the Lord. Now, Matthew 24 tells you he's coming at the end of the tribulation. We're not in tribulation yet. We're the beginning of sorrows. But the beginning of sorrow will take you in the beginning of tribulation. Thank God we don't have to be here. We can escape. Luke 21, 34, 35 says we can escape these things that are coming because no flesh would be saved if God didn't come. There's a reason why it's coming. All right? That you got yonder from his coming. Where is he coming from? From the east, God said. He won't be in the desert or some chamber. He'll be in the sky in the east, Matthew 24, 27. But I thought he was dead. No, he's not dead. He's alive. But he hid himself. In secrecy. The place of his coming. Zechariah 14. On the Mount of Olives, he's going to stand. His feet literally going to stand on the Mount of Olives. We've been there. That's in the east. Amen. Jesus Christ will stand on the Mount of Olives. Now, we don't have time to go into all the scriptures here. I mentioned it, but I mentioned where it's found. In Zechariah 14, verse 1 to 8. Also, every eye shall... See, I don't know how it's going to be done. I know Australia and here have different time zones. So is China. But God said, every eye shall simultaneously see him. And they that pierce him. You know, Rome pierced Jesus Christ. He died under Roman system. So obviously Rome will be in power when he comes. Or the Roman Empire which we call the Matrix Treaty, or the European Common Market. That system will be around. We know that every eye shall see him, and every nation shall wail because of him. We know also, number five, the personage of his coming. 
It's very important. It says, this same Jesus. Why does it say that? Because Paul said there is another Jesus coming. Beside this same Jesus. You've got to know which Jesus you're believing in. Which Christ you're believing in. There are many false Christs out there. There are many claiming to be Jesus. Now there's a new thing coming up about being rebaptized in the name of Jehoshua and all that nonsense. I think if you do it, you're blaspheming and you're going to sin and reprobate sin. But I'll go that next time. Tonight, the symbolism as a thief in the night. That means sudden, you're not watching, he's watching you. As a stone cut out of Daniel chapter 2, you'll be that stone. Next thing we know, as a son of man. Daniel talked about him in chapter 7. As the eagle, as well as the day of the Lord. Now, we know these are the elements. It's going to snare the world. It will be sudden and a surprise. God said, you should not be surprised. You should be expecting his coming. The last statement in your Bible is, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I don't know, I'm the same supreme that. Most people talk about their cars, their homes, their jobs. I don't meet people that naturally talk to me about the coming of the Lord. Saints talk about coffee and go to restaurants, but they don't talk about the coming of the Lord. When two saints meet, they don't talk about the coming of Jesus. One time, people used to talk about Jesus. On the Eminence journey, what were they doing? They were talking about Jesus. And Jesus joined them and said, what are you talking about? Amen. And the Bible said, they have spake often one to another. Let me ask you, how many brethren in this church ever sat and talked to you about the coming of the Lord? Or even discussed on the phone? Or even on Facebook or Twitter or what do you call those things? You just don't talk about it. Out of sight, out of mind. But blessed are those whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. God let me know, there's going to be a church no matter who comes or who don't go. God has a church on earth that will have oil in her lamp. They've got servants who will bring profitable gain to his kingdom. It's like the plane going tonight to Edmonton. Whether I'm on it or not, they're going. Whether I'm on it or not, it's going. It's up to me to make it happen for me. Now, there are seven reasons, and there are many more in the Bible, that I want to point out to you. And church, if, if you understand this, you're going to move with fear and trembling like Paul did. Well, the apostles move with fear and trembling because they understand the advent of the Lord, what it meant to be left behind. They understood what it meant not to meet Him as a Savior, as a judge. And Paul said, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men to believe. Notice here, number one, He's coming to punish the world and sinners. Isaiah 13 and verse 9 to 14. You ought to read it and read about the cataclysmic activities that's going to be on the earth when He comes. The whole world going to feel the presence of the Creator. Like we don't see right now. Number two. He's coming to make war. I thought He was a peacemaker. No. He said, well, I come to make war. Even right now, he's causing war in families. The house is divided over him. Amen. Some believe in him, some don't believe in him. He's coming to make war. 
Revelation 19 and verse 11 to 13. Now, I could preach this to you, but I don't want to. I got these young boys that are coming up on the sea for themselves. It's in the Bible. Amen. You need to know of the hope that's in your breast. It's in the Word. Praise God. Now, it said he comes to make war against the armies of the earth. And guess who's with him? Called, chosen, and faithful saints who overcame all things mentioned in the seven churches. Number three reason why he's coming. To take vengeance on those who know not God and obey not the gospel. Can you imagine that? Not knowing God is a problem to you and him. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6 to 7. The fourth reason why it's coming is the day of his wrath. Revelation 6, 14 to 17. Now, you young boys, make sure you got your iPhone. If you want to get some good pictures, take pictures of this. You're going to need it later on. Yeah. Rather than reading dirty books and, and comic strip, read that instead. Thy word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart, that I may not sit against thee. Worth all shall young men come this way, but by taking heed to the word of God. Amen. All right. It says to declare wrath upon this world. All right. Chapter 6 of Revelation and verse 14 to 17. How many of you recall when he went in the temple and read the book? He did not read the entire verse. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he failed to say and use the word wrath and vengeance. Because that's not why he came the first time. But it will be different the next time he comes. Just you wait and see. Now, the fifth reason why he comes is because of the status of Israel. He promised she would not cease to be a nation but God and Magog and Islam is going to run her into the sea and take away, one more time, Jerusalem and rape the women and just about annihilate them. And that will bring him back in a hurry. You only have to read Zechariah 14 and verse 1 to 4. It says, He will come and He will deliver Israel. His feet will stand on the Mount of what? Olives. And great world events are going to take place in that part of the world. The sixth reason why it's coming, First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 4 to 16. He's coming to show that He alone, not the Trinity, not Mohammed, not other gods, but He alone is the only potentate. Dwelling in light that no man can approach unto. That he alone hath immortality. There must come a time when all religion must come to a final verdict. Who and which will survive. Either Christianity is a fake or it's the real thing. Can I say amen? Can I say amen? Alright, so. He's coming because of Israel. And then we know it's coming because of his kingdom. He will set up a kingdom back here that shall never end. The 1,000 years of peace that's coming in our world. We are in that two days, in the third day. Now, Christ coming is 
nearer now than yesterday. Why do you think the weather pattern is changing? Why do you think wicked men are waxing worse and worse and worse and committing atrocities? Because the man of sin spirit is in the world. All right. The seventh reason why it's coming, there's a man called the beast with a system that Jesus must come and put down once and for all. Now, so we have Revelation 20, verse 1 to 4. Why am I telling you this? We have Bible for our belief. It's not just a figment of Pastor Neagle's imagination. At least I'm giving a chance to question what I'm saying. Seven reasons for the second coming. Now, the second coming of Jesus Christ is not the same as the rapture. The second coming of Jesus is going to be visible. The whole world is going to know it. When you take the church away privately, nobody's going to know it until long after. That people are missing. But when he comes the second time to the world, physically, the sun won't shine, the moon won't give her light, the stars will fall, hello, and the world will geographically be rearranged. When he comes. Now, church, who's coming? I'm going to tell you right in the Bible, I know it's for a fact. So understand why we are where we are in time today. Here's number one. Jesus can't come until, first of all, the man of sin is revealed and set up his kingdom. Number two, Jesus can't come until Israel as a nation is about to be wiped off the scenery. One more time. Jesus can't come until the end of the great tribulation. He cannot come. He's bound by Scripture. Just like they couldn't crucify Him the first year or the second year. But in the third year, they did. Because His time had come. He could not rise from the dead until the third day was come. had come. Then He arose from the dead. He is Scripture bound. Now, who's coming? No one? The Trinity? Jesus? Or Mahdi? All those beliefs exist. People believe that. But I'm going to tell you, when we look at this real prophecy of his identity, this baffles theologians and religion and professing Christians. One of the hardest things to figure out, who is Jesus Christ? They can't figure him out. And by education, man don't know God. You can only know God by divine revelation. If he does not reveal it to you, you can study it till your eyeball falls out. You will never figure him out. Because Christ is a mystery. But the mystery has been revealed to those to whom he revealed it. But I said that in Matthew eleven twenty five twenty eight. 28. You can go there and pray, check for yourself. It says, Jesus will reveal himself to who he chooses to. Now, here's this chart. In my Bible, one place says, the Father is coming. Next time it says, the Son is coming. Another time it says, the Lord is coming. Another time it says, Christ is coming. Another time it says, God is coming. This is Jesus coming. All the time it says 
the Son of God is coming. Then it says the Ace of Days is coming. And my question is, as a human being, who is coming? <laughs> who, who is coming? Come on, church, capture this, young boys. Capture this. Amen. You know, there are boys who memorize the Koran and they know it inside out. Maybe you can't explain, but they memorize it. You memorize all this also. Who is coming? The Father or the Son? God or Jesus? Son of God or is it And all these claim is coming. For example, in Second John 1 and verse 9, so the Father is coming. In Matthew 16, 28, it says the Son is coming. Titus 2, 13 says God is coming. And First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13 says Jesus is coming. But who really is coming? Then we read again in Daniel 7, 13, the Son of God is coming. And then we read over here again, it says the age of days is coming in the same chapter. Are they the same? Absolutely. Titles don't multiply him. I don't think you heard me. His titles don't multiply him. But his titles reveal his ministries. That's what he does to me. Each of these titles are talking about ministries of the same person. Hello? Now, John the Baptist asked Jesus in prison, Are you the one to come? Or is there another to follow? You should ask the same question. Because some are teaching that Mahdi is coming. I know Antichrist is coming, but he will pass himself off as Jesus Christ. And he will destroy people with that lie. Now, skeptics are asking, in 2 Peter chapter 3, where is the promise of his coming? And they give you logical reasons why he should have been here if it's true. But they're wrong. The Bible says they're ignorant. <laughs> All right, then, but the bride says, and the Spirit says, even so come Lord Jesus. Now, if he's dead, he can't come. But if he's alive, he can come. Now, I heard a rumor that Mohammed said after three days he'd come back. Oh, they're still waiting. He has to come back. You deem the said he would come back. He has not returned. They all died. Your mortality says you're not coming back. Until he called you back. The fifth chapter of John says, When I call them back, they'll come back. He said, Lazarus, come forward. He came forward. Hello? And they fed him and know he was the real guy that once died. Now, there are two major comings that you should know about. There's a difference between Christ coming for his church and Christ coming back with his church. You hear that? Christ coming for his church invisible and private. Christ coming back with His church is public and knowledgeable to everybody. <clears throat> now, church, thank God for preaching. Preaching saves people. But teaching keeps you saved. <clears throat> when He comes a second time, He's not coming back for the church. Because the church, look up here now. The church is gone here. Gone to be with Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 4. 
says we're going to be absent and gone to be with Jesus. Is that right? First Corinthians to talk about it. Then seven years after we're gone, we're going to come back with Jesus. Chapter 19. We're coming back with Jesus. He said that where I am, there you may be also. The armies of heaven is the angels and the saints of God. He said, well, I'm not in the army. You sure are. Put on the whole armor of God. What do you think you're in? You're in a fight for life. Why did they give the helmet, God said? <laughs> a sword and a breastplate. Now, if the church don't preach that, shame on them. Because this is our life. We're heading for a promised land, which is way over here somewhere. Hello? Now, emancipation of a people that are Hebrews, because the saints are gone already, but there are Hebrew saints who are, in fact, go with me right now, please, in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. Go there very quickly. I want to show you these things, folks. I want you to know these things. And if you don't want to know it, get up and go out the door and go home, please. But if you really want to sit right where you are, because you need to know it, it's going to affect you one way or another. You're the locked out. You're caught. If you check chapter 7, God sealed only Hebrews. Now, you compare that to Ephesians 1.13. And in Ephesians 1.13, those are not Hebrews. Those are Grecians. Ephesus is in Turkey. Huh? And they are sealed in, in uh, Ephesians 1.13 before the, ra before the rapture and before the tribulation. But just before God blow the seals on the trumpet, what does He do? Seal the people. Who? The Israelites. Now, you notice Dan is left out and Ephraim. That's another story. So anybody who gets saved in this period here are going to be Jews alone. Those who are left behind are going to be enemies of God right here, sinners. So the Jews are going to have emancipation when Jesus Christ comes, and the world will have condemnation and degeneration because of what the way they live. He will call those who are left behind goats, and those that he sanctified sheep. Know the difference here. When Christ comes, no is coming, the location is given, the visibility of his coming will be made known, the time of his coming, and the same Jesus. Now, same Jesus means you got to know what you're looking for. Is it all right? We're talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I put right here a little, a little sketch to show you. Here's the cross. Everything started on the cross. There's the rapture. Now, that word rapture is not in the Bible. It's called catching away. Called catching away. Once we're gone, would you believe in chapter 11 of your Bible, Moses and Elijah is coming back to earth. You say, I don't believe it. That's your problem. But it's true. Malachi said they're coming. The Lord said they're coming. And Moses and Elijah are coming back to turn Israel to God. That was their job. Moses brought Israel out of Egypt. Elijah proved to them who the true God is. And that's their job to come back. Now the Bible says they will be killed by the beast after three and one and a half years. Right in the middle of this chart right here. The Antichrist will kill Moses and Elijah. 
and that will be the final rapture taking place. And they have part in the first resurrection. Now, this may shock you. The first person in the first resurrection was Jesus Christ. He is the first fruit of them that slept after that we at is coming. We are going to see the dead people in Christ rise in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In chapter 15, Jesus rose. The first fruit. We are a first fruit unto Him, James says. And then the final harvest of the first fruit will be in the middle right here when they will be caught up with Moses and Elijah to be with Jesus Christ, those that were beheaded with them. And left on earth will be 144,000 Jews. Every other Jew that's left on earth is open season to be killed. They're called the outcast. God called them the outcast of my people. They are the people you read in chapter 12 of Revelation. Go there, please. Please scroll in very quickly with your finger and look and see that the dragon, which is Satan, and the beast, which is that man of sin, chase them with the population of the world. Huh? And they ran and flee for their lives in a place we call Petra, and the rocks to hide, where they're fed for three and a half years, the last three and a half years. These are the ones that love God. God is going to hide them. And those who didn't love God are going to be exposed to anti-Semitism. And about so two-thirds of the entire population of Israel will be wiped out. Globally. Only one-third will survive. Friend, our covering is with Jesus Christ. You don't know. Every one of you have a Purim in this church. What should have destroyed you didn't succeed. God thwarted what the enemy planned for your life. And you should be thankful that God brought you this fall. And what Satan planned to do didn't come to pass. That's why he worshiped God. There is an edge around you. Hallelujah. Thank God. We can say, God, it could have happened if you had not been in my life. Now, church, I want you to look at this. Understand this little complicated chart here. It's not too complicated. I know it was at the school I was at. Those young kids were very scientifically minded. They laid out very carefully all the scientific plot of Sir Isaac Euston and Faraday and all these scientists people. They had no problem understanding that. And so, therefore, they can understand the Scripture also. Everyone explained to me the scientific uh, standing behind what they were doing. So, we want them to also understand this Bible. Amen. Now, if you're a Jew, every Passover, you say, Dad, Mom, why today we leave the door open? They say, well, Elijah's going to come. Mom, Dad, why today we can't have leaven in our bread? And they would ask the question. By the same token, church, you should ask the Word of God, why should we be concerned more than any other time? Why? 
You know why? Because the day and the nights are far spent. And Jesus warned you and me several times. Be careful. Lest I come upon you as a thief in the night and you be snared. If you ever want to read that for yourself in First Thessalonians chapter 5. It, it warns you very plain. I mean, it can't be no plainer. He says, but in a moment they think not. So don't you sleep like they sleep. Don't be ignorant of what's going on. Look at this right here. Explain to you why Jesus is the lion and the lamb. That's not two persons. Same God. Having dual roles. Church, if nobody else can redeem us, only the one that made us can redeem us. Nobody else can condemn you except the one that created you. And no one can lift the curse but him. Because no man can pluck you out of his hand. Get the message. Look very carefully. Here's us, the sinners. We are in sin. Our sin went to him. We sent our sin to judgment. He said, you are a sinner. The weight of sin is death. He's not willing we should die. So what did he do? Get off the throne. Rub himself like a lamb. Took on the nature of humanity. With blood and bones. That he might become a kingsman redeemer. You listen to church? A kingsman redeemer. And when he did that, he became the what? The lamb of God. Hello? And so... He shed His blood as our advocate and gave us a message called baptism in water to wash away our filth. The word in Revelation says, He that's filthy, stay filthy still. It means people that were not baptized in Jesus' name. Because there's no other way to wash away your filth except what? Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For remission of sin or the cleansing of your sins. Hello, I'm taking the truth, I'm not lying to you. And so, baptism washes away our sins. It is vital. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth now shall be damned. So it's our purification, water of separation. Then the message goes back to God forgiven. Amen. And purified. And God symbolically said, I have purchased you. Acts 20, 28. God purchased us. But it say God, so the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost got no blood. Except it be Jesus' blood. The Holy Ghost purchased us with His own blood. And when He purchased us, we become a purchased possession. And that's what makes us qualified to be raptured or emancipated because we're sanctified. Hello? We're justified. Praise the Lord. Glorified. Purified. 
and now emancipated, we're liberated to go to be with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the typology. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 10. Now, church, and you Pentecost future boys, listen to me. Joseph, before he died, said, God going to raise up a what? A Savior. And He's going to take you out of here. And when you're going, take my bones with you. Don't leave my bones. Did I tell someone something? When I leave Egypt, two people left. The dead and the living. The bones of Joseph represent dead saints who died before the Messiah came. And those that were alive, you know, and remain, they both were baptized in the cloud. That's Holy Ghost baptism. They were baptized in the Red Sea. That's water baptism. Hallelujah. Unto Moses. And when they came out on the other side, they did a Pentecostal, my foot on the rock and my name on the roll dance. And they shouted and they praised God. What did they drop in the water? Egyptians. That water killed those Egyptians. Egyptians are like sin. Parasites. God said when you get baptized, you wash away the parasites off your back. And whom the Son set free? Stay free indeed. Do you know that Moses had to take the bone of Joseph and plant it in the promised land? That's what this means. Everybody in Egypt forgot that the Bible said a Savior is coming. When He came the first time, the first 40 years, what did they do? They rebelled and they rejected the plan of God and threw Him out. He came back 40 years later. Hallelujah. Waiting for a Messiah to come. Came one more time and brought them out under a name. They be called Yahweh or Jehovah. Took them right to Mount Sinai. Isn't that beautiful? That's the plan right here. But here's a beautiful thing, church. Did you know at Mount Sinai this really happened? God told Moses on Mount Sinai, Do not... Bring Israel close to me until after two days. And on the third day, bring them. On the third day, they can live in my sight. Wash them, purify them, cleanse them. Church, those two days mean 2,000 years. After 2,000 years, they can face God. You know how many days they travel from Egypt to Mount Sinai? Fifty days. Fifty mean Pentecost. Pentecost means liberation of the first fruit. Hallelujah. You know what took place at Mount Sinai? A marriage. If you don't get baptized in the cloud, in the Red Sea, you can't marry Jehovah. Now, who married Jehovah at Mount Sinai? Was it just Jews only? No. It was a mixed 
multitude. What will the church be full of? From all nations, all kindreds, and all tongues. Church, look around. We will always be a multicultural church. A rainbow church, whether you like it, rainbow is not symbolic of homosexuality. It's symbolic of the nations of the world. That's what it means, a covenant God gave to His people. I don't care what the devil says. I'll tell you what God word said. Mm-hmm. Now, folks, does that make sense? Now, you young boys, when you come of age, you're preaching. You preach just like this. Explain it and give a sense of it. Don't get up here and just shout word. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. One bishop one time told the congressman, shut up! They were shouting. He said, look, to the other bishop, watch this. Hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. They said, oh, they shouting. He said, be quiet! All I was saying was hot dog, hot dog. They weren't listening. They weren't listening. You know, some people get in the spirit when there's no wind blowing. You wonder which bug is biting them. Hey, what's wrong with you? Hello? Which bug is biting them? Now, folks... This, which people laugh at so many times, this is not a joke. That's a tease. First of all, your Bible was not written with chapter and verses. It came after from memorization. It came after from memorization. So, Peter didn't say, Obey Acts 2.38. There was no such thing. But he said the contents of that uh, coordinates right here. This year, if we plan to be in the rapture, then we have to obey the scripture. If you don't, I can prove to you, you can't even give your own blood to save you. Your blood can't save you. At best, it's filthy rags. The 13th chapter of the book of First Corinthians says it's not going to work. If I give my body to burn, he can't even save me. Only one person's blood is efficacious and can save us. It's blood of Jesus Christ. Boys, get a dictionary. Look at the word. Look what it means. Amen. Get a strong dictionary. Look it up. Look what that word means. Write it down. Don't read over it. One guy was reading the Bible one time and he said to the congregation, a big word came and says, What? Let's call it bicycle and ride on. Don't do that. Don't ride on. Before you come up here, pronounce it. Go learn what it means. That's meaning to it. The reason why God put it there. Amen. Make use of it. Now, church, repentance deal with guilt and pardon. Water baptism, wash away sin. It's not an extra baggage. It has nothing to do with open confession. Hello? The Philippine jailer didn't have a crowd there. Was just Paul and him. Hello? The name is very important. What name? The name of Jesus for remission of sins. The purpose for your justification. 
The advocacy, your seal with the Holy Ghost. Now, seal means a symbol of liberty of a slave. Now, I was reading the other day, because I made a statement, and I know people look, people say, oh, Pastor Neal, what kind of church is that? You know, I go places and say, well, Pastor Neal, where's his wife? She's right beside me. One, well, that's not his wife. They're living common law. No one in common law. Hello? No one in common law. We're married. I got a certificate to prove it. Hello? That's legal. But church, if you were a Roman slave, you could not wear a ring. The only person who wear a ring was a Roman emperor or prince. You have to be free to wear a ring. Look it up. I'm not lying to you. I call to be checked out. Check me out. And then you couldn't wear a golden ring. A golden ring means you're free and you're in a hierarchy of a certain kind. And that ring could only be worn on a certain finger to show that you are of authority. When the king took off his ring, he gave it to Joseph, whose name is in the ring, the king's name. And when the king gave it also to Daniel, whose name was on it, the king's name, it was authority. That's a Roman system. Israel didn't have it. Now, when... <laughs> it's amazing. When Judah's daughter-in-law paid the prostitute, what did she do? She gave to Judah a ring. Did she? Or did he give her one? He gave her one. She said, give me that ring, and I'll do what you want. Because she meant to trap him. And, and when he was trying to, go to kill her for what she did, he said, just before you kill me, Kill the owner of this ring. He said, uh-oh, you're more righteous than me. Now, church, my point is this. The slave could not wear it. It was a seal and a signature of authority and power in the Roman system. When the prodigal son came home, what happened? They put a what? A ring in acceptance. But it, it didn't matter. But God's people is not so. Jesus Christ, when God sealed us, Possibly you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of what? Promise. Now I can feel you guys all tightening up on me. Ooh, your skirt and your trousers too tight. Call the seamstress here. Hey, it's the Word of God! It's the Word of God! I'm not going to hell for no Roman system. I'm not going to hell for any world system. I'm going to be saved by the Bible method. Now, you want to know what you want to do? Amen. You want to go to hell with Santa Claus? Go ahead with them. You can have them. <laughs> Our guy folks night in England, you know, burn the place. But I'm trying to tell you about the scripture here. The seal is the Holy Ghost, which makes you cry, Abba, Abba. How many knew this? And this is a lie. That this finger, look at the folks, this finger right here. Now, if you're English, this thing means more to you, because that's where you lick it. And lick the cake with. <laughs> the thing I click this before natural fork came into existence. 
But the Roman teaches that this finger is linked with my heart. Friend, I challenge you tonight, check the anatomy of your soul and your body. It's not true. There's no linkage with this or your heart personified. Hello. But the world believes that. That's fine. You're going to believe that? Okay. You know, on, on full, uh, April Fool Day, we said, send the fool a little further. <laughs> if you want to do as far as me, but I'm trying to tell you the truth here. They were sealed with the spirit of promise. Hello. And now, when they were sealed, it's symbolic of liberty. Joseph was in prison, and when they gave him that ring, it means authority to reign as the king. And Jesus, knowing the culture, used that culture to, to talk in a parabolic form. Now look at this, folks. What's Acts 2.30? Who's coming? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost? Now, Muslims ask you that question. They do. And they think they have us. And he said, no, no, no. We don't believe that. We believe one is coming. And even in their own book, it says, Jesus is coming. Hello. But they're confused. Now, Jesus is, the Father is the judge. The Son office is for high priest. Stay with me. And the Holy Ghost, which is the sealant, is what purchased the church. So, the Father gave condemnation to us. The Son brought justification to us from guilt. And the Holy Ghost brings us glorification and liberation through the Spirit. Whom the Spirit set free is free indeed. You say, how can this be? Let me ask you a question. Go speak to the Garden of Eden. Because everything came from there. I told this morning, if there was no sin, we wouldn't need the Bible. If there was no sin, we wouldn't need a church. The church is the gate to heaven. And the Bible is the word of God. So we can't change that. Even if I don't like it, I can't change it. Huh? Well, now, listen, folks, listen to me now. And so what happened here, when, when Adam sinned, Adam sinned, Adam sinned. As far as I know, there's angels, cherubs, Adam and Eve. There's nobody else. And God. Who made Adam? Come on, church. Who made Adam? God! When God, when God said to Adam, Who told you that you're naked? Was that a rhetorical question? Well, as far as God knows, Adam don't know anybody else. Who told you you're naked? Well, sin told him he's naked. Sin make him look himself differently. Now, folks, listen to me now. What did God do to Adam and Eve? He condemned them both. Did he not? And then what did he do next? Did he just throw them out? No. He turned around and gave a coat of covering. Come here, Zachary. I do not feel well, but come here for a minute. So I, I, I'm a big old God. I created you. Now I'm upset with you. And I said, you're going to have problems. And I, and I bring judgment on him. Do I leave him like that? No! God turned around and get an animal and kill it and wrap it around him. So what's God doing? Judge, advocate. I judge you 
And I turn around and defend you. Hallelujah. And then set him out. Hello, somebody. And promise him one day, I'm going to liberate you. Once and for all. Once and for all. By one man's sin came in the world, and by one man's sin is coming out of the world. Now, that's exactly what he did right here. So, we know the rapture is for redeemed people. Church is important to understand. Because who's coming? Jesus? Who is coming? Here is the chronological revealing of this one true God coming to us. God, we don't say God the one, God the two, God the three. We don't say that. Do we say that? No. But we said, first, if Adam had not sinned, God is a spirit. When God made Adam, he became a father. Hello? When Adam sinned, it created a need for a son. Because the spirit can't die. Hello? And so God took on human flesh and become one of us. Stay with me. And so by this purpose, he could give us blood for redemption. Angels cannot redeem us. Angels are not flesh and bone as we are. God, many times in the Old Testament, came as what? Angel of the Lord. Now look at this. God is creator. The created become our father of Adam. Adam sinned and gave need for a judge. Hello? There's no judge in chapter 1. There's no judge in chapter 2. But judge in chapter 3. Because he sinned. And now there's advocacy of a high priest and the sacrifice. Amen. The price of a redemption. Now, God, God killed an innocent animal to rescue a guilty man. Symbolic of Christ going to die for a sinful world. Now, look at this, folks. One God, many titles. When I came to church the first time, this baffled me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when I started out in Revelation of what God is all about, and I tried to tell the pastor what I found, I could tell he felt sorry for me. I knew that a long time ago. Yeah, but for me, it's a discovery. It's a revelation. It's not just education now. I got the message. I know who Jesus is. Hallelujah. And I said, wow! Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father. Right? The beginning and the ending. Is that right? He is the creator of the universe. And then... He never was a Holy Ghost, because ghost means the spirit of a departed one. It is wrong to buy a Bible. I'm going to tell you right now, folks. Do what you want. Your money. Spend it on trash if you want to. But, <laughs> but it's wrong to buy a Bible that erased the word Holy Ghost and put in there spirit. Friend, God can spell. <laughs> And God knows the difference between a ghost and a spirit. Jesus gave out the ghost. God didn't make ghost. God makes spirit. And when you die, you become a ghost. 
Let me go somewhere else. Now, look. Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father because He created us. He is a Son because He became one of us. Hallelujah. That don't make Him another God or a lesser God. And He is the Holy Ghost because he, that means He died and came back from the dead and dwelt among us. Now, church, I think you should take your Bible right now and cut this out. First John 3.16. Go there, please. And cut it right out right now, please. Because you know why? It's wrong. Or is it? Go there. Look at it. That's right. Hereby perceive we love of God. Because He laid down His life for us. Oh, God did that? And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. God did that. You're calling Jesus Christ God. I see a problem here. Acts 20, 28. The Holy Ghost purchased us with His own blood. Same person. Same person. Different offices. When Jesus come back, they can't see the Holy Ghost. It's invisible. No man can see God and live. So He has to come in a, an appearance that's visible and acceptable to our world. Which is what? The man Christ Jesus. Mm. He purchased the church with his own blood. Not church. Spirits don't have blood or bones. So it must be talking about Jesus. That don't need no rocket science. Now church, here the problem comes in now. When in your Bible you read, church, everybody's get, get this, you get it. One moment they call him the ancient of days is coming. Then they said the Son of Man is coming. Then the Lion is coming. Then the Lamb is coming. Then the Alpha is coming. Then Omega is coming. Then the First is coming. And the Last is coming. And the Begotten is coming. And the Father. Who is coming? It's like who's in first? What's in first? <laughs> no, no, who's in first? No, no, what's in first? A little joke. Same thing right here. Huh? Hello. <laughs> Look at this church. His alpha is the beginning. And these are opposites, church. These are opposites of the same person. Not lesser than or inferior to. Same person coming to us. He's the root and is the offspring of David. How can he be the root of David and the offspring of David? He's the divine nature and nature of Abraham. Except he be God. For with God nothing shall be possible. Alright? He's in the form of God and the fashion of a man. What kind of guy is this? A weirdo? An anthropomorphous man? No. He's in the form of God because he's God. And the fashion of a man. But he's coming as God or as man. He's the lamb and the shepherd. He's the judge the advocate and the mediator. Church, this does not confuse me. This still spell. I don't care how you turn around. It still spell Jesus Christ. Clap your to God right now. Come on. If you know how much I gave you a while ago, I gave you a whole lot to chew on. Amen. I gave you a, doc a doctoral thesis a while ago. For you to chew on. Praise God. This is not common knowledge. 
For had they known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of what? Glory. Look at this, folks. You know, something about this church, I can tell right now, you should be able to anticipate what I'm going to say next. This is a sign of biblical maturity. While I'm preaching, if you are a Bible scholar and student, you should know where I'm going. And if the light's coming on, you should be saying, wow! I'm going to tell you a story. Queen Elizabeth went to India. And the little prince of India gave her the most treasured stone on earth and didn't know it. And she took it. And she went back in her early days with it to the palace. It's on display in London, showroom. When he come of age, <laughs> a big man, everybody going to see that thing. He went there also, and now he's grown up. And he asked to see that thing he gave to the queen. Well, there's a stirring going on. I wonder what's going on here. The queen said, let me see it. He gave it to me. He picked it up and held it in his hand. He said, now, I want Her Majesty to have it. He said, when I first gave it to her, I did not know what I was giving to her. But now I know the value of what I'm now representing to her. I'm going to tell you right now, church, many eyes have desire to see what you're seeing. And many ears have longed to hear what you're hearing. Have not seen it, have not heard it, and haven't handled it. He says, blessed are your eyes that see this. And your ears, for many mighty scholars, have not been able to grasp it. But the poor and the simple have received it by revelation. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. I want to tell you, I came up in Pentecost onto this. Slow, sure teaching. Established on a foundation that will never be erased. Etched in my mind. Hallelujah. Friend, I've survived since 1972 to this very date. I've met scholars of all sorts and they've not been able to move this rock of ages. Let this thing get down in your heart. Clap your hands to the Lord. I'm not going to be one of them that fall away. What's the Old Testament significance of this? We see characters and titles and fulfillment. All these characters, not one of them were good enough to totally represent Jesus Christ. Not one. Not Abraham. Not Isaac, not Moses, not Aaron, not Joshua, not David, not Solomon, not Elijah, or John the Baptist, or the Lion of any of these could in themselves represent Jesus Christ in its totality. It took all of that. But when Jesus Christ came, Paul got the revelation. 
It's all in Him. Some total, 100%, it's all in Him. Hallelujah. He's the Father, the only begotten, the law, the prophet, the high priest, the captain, the king, the wizard. I mean, it goes on on the list. He's all of that. And a whole lot more. And a whole lot more. And he's come back to tell the world, beside me, there is no God. Every argument will cease. Every discussion will be gone. Now, folks, look at this here. He said, Pastor Neil, you must be crazy. I'll tell you, this is the last week this truck going to be up. Catch it while you can. Because, my friend, once the devil steals it from you, you never get it back. Amen. Little Naraya, when she came of age, where's she at? Sleeping? When she came of age, my question is will she ever see this chart? Will somebody be around? To show her what once existed. Or when she said, I get in, where are the miracles? Where are the signs and wonders we hear about? Now, you Christians today, you're pretty comfortable where you are. But you should be crying for the apostolic times to come back. You should be crying, where are the Phillips? Where are the Andrews? Why don't we have signs following? Why is there no tongues and interpretation and the gifts of the Spirit of the church? How come we're willing to live without it? That we become soul who can have church without the Ark of the Covenant? Can we have church without somebody being quickened in the Spirit? Yes, we can. And we have become that. Amazing. Most of the people don't even know this, the songs of yesteryears that brought us where we are. When I see the blood, Pastor, how do you play that? I was just in that. Never heard of it before. Can't say the words. And most of the songs we sing were written by homosexuals and lesbians and prostitutes who claim they're sons of God. That's all they are. Prostitutes and whoremongers. That's what they are. Says what they are. Sodomites. Teaching us how to sing. Holy song. You notice you can't feel Jesus in it. I was at one conference one time. I watched a very sage person get up and read the prayer off in a huge conference. And it was as dead, as dull as a doe. And then they called a little boy from an orphanage who came up and closed his eyes and prayed from his heart and the whole conference lit up the spirit of God moved and a minute God looked to say what's the difference can you see the difference can you see the church can you tell the difference I feel word when folks tell me it's the same thing no it's not the same thing we need Jehoshaphat said isn't there a word from the Lord Let's worship God.
Brother Matt, I hope you get the right stuff when you come in here. I hope you get your eyes on the right people when you get in here. It's either a cup of the wrong thing, the dead thing, and that become the norm thing. Where is the anointing? Why don't we cry for anointing? Why is there no revelation? Why is there no divine inspiration? And we're content with it. Dull church. Empty church. Sinners walk in our presence and don't feel conviction. Don't even move. can even perform with us. Why is it so? That's why Jesus had to come back Himself to finish what the church could not do. Let's worship God. Now I know I'm not going to be popular, but I'm smart enough to realize every preacher I see die, dies alone. He can't take his church with him. He can't take the building with him. He can't take the money with him. He can't take the thing on the wall for him. He's going to stand before God and give an account for what he teaches and preaches. And you better get a revelation, honey. You stand on your own two feet when it's time before God. How believest thou? Church of God tell you, Jesus is coming. That's not a joke. It's real. Here's the flow of events, church. Number one, Jesus Christ came to us in a manger of the fruit of David's body. You can read for yourself Psalms 132 and verse 11. That's what Jesus Christ did. He promised it and He fulfilled it. Genesis 3.15 can only fulfill it. And Galatians 3.15 The seed of a woman is Jesus. Amen, church. Come on. And the Bible says it's called Emmanuel, God with us. I don't see two gods or three gods or four gods. I see one God. He died. The incarnate Christ died for us. Amen. Jews were humiliated by it and disowned them. And he went back to heaven. He did. Acts 1 says he did. Then he came back after 50 days as the Holy Ghost. Colossians 1 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. St. Corinthians 13. Verse 1 to 6, knowing not that Jesus Christ is in you, except we be reprobate. I want to tell you, church, there's only one God, one faith, one baptism, by one Spirit, where we all baptized into one body. And that Spirit can only lead and guide into all truth, otherwise it's the wrong Spirit. But the where you are. Where's the Gerard at? Bring him back out here. I'm sitting in church when I'm preaching. Bring him back to church here. Now, folks, let me tell you something, folks. I get very upset when I travel. When I travel and I see, when I travel and I see, our churches are put in some of the corner somewhere. Decrepit building. Way out of sight. It's not right. This thing was not done in a corner. 
You sure anybody is vying for truth? I want to know you young kids. You're the future. Muslim kids blow themselves up for Mohammed. What will you do for Christ? What will you do for Jesus? Look, folks, he returned the Holy Ghost. It's not three persons. And then the Holy Ghost is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's in me. He's in you. Hallelujah. We're sealed to the day of redemption. This is the day of redemption. The rapture. Amen. If there is no rapture, there won't be no second coming. Because you have to come back with them. Jude says that. You're coming back with Jesus. All right? We read First Corinthians 15. Read it for yourself. And verse 51 58. This is the rapture, Fred. Be caught to Jesus. Being translated from mortal to immortality. From the earth to the heavenly. Hello? We're changed in a moment. How fast is that? In the twink of an eye. Church, when we change, church, we're going to skip and miss the great tribulation. Because we're coming back at the end of the great tribulation to fight with Jesus Christ. Church, look at that right here. It's laid out. Now, you young boys, learn it. There's more to God than walking through that village in that pew and hear me shout at you. This is more important than any university class. This is my eternal life. It's my future. Pray, God, open my understanding. Oh, God, give me revelation. Oh, God, give me wisdom. Let me know more than He does. It has to be a prayer. He said, learn of me. Give attendance to reading. Study the Word of God. Get down and dig into it. You know I'm telling you? What old men told me, but I sat where you sat. Get it in your craw, they says. You know those guys are in their grave. Hallelujah. One old man was dying one time. Old pioneer. He called the young superintendent. He said, come here. He said, look. Is the church okay? Is the church in good hands? Is the church in good hands? He said, all right. He didn't want to close his eyes. Until he heard, it is all right. It's in good hands. I want to tell you, friend, Rehoboam made a mess of Israel. Leaders are not born, they're made. In prayer. Don't pray to preach! Pray to know Him. Don't study it to impress. Study it to caress them. Hallelujah. When He needs something from you, He'll pull it out of your body, soul, and spirit and bring back to remembrance what you settle with Him in the prayer closet. 
he will publicly talk about. God didn't send me here to fail or to be an appendage to ecumenical movements. No! God sent me here to pull down and build up, root up and set up His kingdom. Is there anybody here vying for truth? Jesus is coming. He's not coming for a church in distress. Our church, amen, is trapped. Could be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. One time people used to dance in the spirit. Now we're glued to our benches. I get more yawning in church than praise the Lord. I've never seen a church so much out of oxygen in the earth today. Two major problems in church. Hydro problem and yawning. Lord Jesus. One time. Preacher, hurry up. Make it short of the street. You picked the wrong guy. <laughs> you know what? The tape's still playing. Look at this church. Look at this right here. You know where I learned this thing from? Sitting under a spout. I was determined I'm going to know what I'm being taught. That's what God called man. God said, you mean business. A workman that need not be ashamed. I've never witnessed to one person in my life and draw this where they didn't understand it. Visual just make it so clear. So plain. You know how I learned to draw it? I learned! I wanted to! He said, God, show me how! And God said, you struck with the cross. And everything on this side is New Testament. Everything on this left is, amen, on, on this side is Old Testament, on this chart. Fill the gaps in. And I realized my entire Bible is from back here to over here. And so I learned Malachi said he's coming. John the Baptist said he's here. Hallelujah. The angel says he shall return. Come on, somebody. And we're praying to him, come Lord Jesus. Look right there, honey, I'm showing you right now, my friend. Lord Jesus, what's going to happen to this church five years from now? Six years from now? Will you guys still be here? Will you kiss live for God? I saw a whole bunch of kids backslid. I won't like to tell where they are. In bad shape. I lost a lot of money on kids. Lots of money. I mean like 50 grand. Trying hard to win their hearts. To win their soul. It never caught on. When I see Muslim kids in foreign land committed to something that will not work, it grieved my spirit. It grieved my spirit. Hallelujah. I'm moving on, church. Progression. Past, present, and future. He used to be the angel of the Lord. Angel of the Lord. Amen. The law, he says in the prophet of the Psalms, talk about me. Hallelujah. When I came in church, 
you know where, where my pulpit was? Jasper Avenue. You know, I took my new married wife to on the street with me. We're going to knock doors and put up placards all over the place on billboards out of my own pocket. Does the pastor know? Absolutely not. You know where we spend time, friend? Senior citizen home. We go there every night and besides that, drive 50 miles out of town to teach the gospel. Hallelujah. One time we up to 20 odd kids in one place in the Spruce Grove. And beyond Spruce Grove, we were way in Wildwood. And Wildwood, way in Sherman Park. And today people are lazy. Indifferent. No time! Too busy! Carnal! Nobody give you a dime! Nobody paid for your gas! Nobody kept punching the back! Nobody said hello! We took them home with freedom, take the church, they got the Holy Ghost. Why? We believe what they preach. The Lord is coming. It set us aflame. Church, where are we on this right here? Jesus Christ, to me, He was on earth as our prophet. In heaven, He's our high priest. And down here, when He comes back, He's our king. You should know that. You should know how to address Jesus. When I bow my knees, I'm talking to my high priest. When I pray in tongues, I'm talking to my high priest. The Holy Ghost is making intercession. Only the high priest make intercession. He's praying through me. Hallelujah. When last you pray in tongues? When last you sang in tongues? When last God talks to you and, and speaks to you? The Holy Ghost? When last, church, come on. I'm asking you. When last you let God manifest His power through you? Jesus is coming. That's what the other church thought. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. The new church, they say, no, 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 Lord, look up the quick. We're having a good time down here. Hallelujah. I'm rushing on here. Now, church, look at this right here. The key is for understanding who He is. Our God is not confused. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the Ancient of Days. He's Christ. He's the great God. He's the Lord. He's everything. I mean, He's just everything. Look at those scriptures. Why wouldn't you copy this down? Why wouldn't you do it? Is it common knowledge? No. A lot of churches would love to have this. A lot of folks would love to have it. I ask a question tonight. Can you remember everything I say? Absolutely not. But you remember what you study. And what you study become a part of you. Hallelujah. Amen. Before I close, David became king. You know how I became king? Hallelujah. In those lonely hours, on the backside of the desert. Hallelujah. It was amazing. No one ever comes to Pastor Neil. Dragging the church to pray. Never hear it one time. My wife and I should say, Lord, Pastor, could we borrow the key? We'll go to the clean church. I sat down at the piano. Our church don't have no pianist, no musician. I said, God, I hear that man of God preach about what you did. Can't do that to me. Please, Jesus, please. And something, a bunch of noise. But I forget God gave the formula for playing that thing. Hallelujah. Everything the church wanted, I said, I'll be it. 
And God said, you keep that up. I'm going to hook on to you. Why are you in the church? It's to witness. I get concerned when you lose your testimony. We, if we make it, it's going to be because of our testimony. Not my preachability. Not my singability. But it's my what? Testimony. I need to stop a second have you done too late. But church, look at this in closing right here. Jesus is the offspring. When I came to church and they said there was no training, I didn't know there was a training anyway. But they keep harping on that stuff. I thought, what's the training? So I said, okay. I'm going to take the pastor out. So I went down to University of Alberta. Yes, I did. Before I was married and after I married. And I went to their seminary. And I went right in their archives. You can go in there and study in the books they've got. And I check out everyone. I learn about Rome, Turkey, all the Caesars. Friend, I start writing. That's when I start writing. I got copious notes. I said, Pastor, look at this. Look what I find. Hallelujah. Well, you already know the truth. I didn't. I'm just learning it. I'm excited. Wow. 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 If you want to know, you can know. When you know Jesus, you get turned on. Let's stand. When you know Jesus, you get turned on. I refuse to marry just any girl. I said, God, I want a girl. That when I say, we're going to do this for Jesus, she's ready. Boys, listen to me, man. Listen to me. Worse than putting on the wrong shoes is having the wrong girl in your life. Mm. If you think the shoes will squeeze your feet, get the wrong girlfriend, she'll burn your meat. <laughs> My wife used to work as a nurse. When she's off, she and that church went all over the churches in London, Birmingham, Hipswich, and Switch Whips, whatever they go to, and all that stuff. But I, I'm, I'm bad in sin all the time, living in sin. But I said, I want to marry that girl. I have no idea she's so caught up in, in church work. So when she came here, it wasn't unusual to her. It wasn't unusual. Because she's running to all these places. And one day we met in England, and all the young people that she grew up with, and a, a good percent of them are preaching the gospel. A lot of them, they're married to girls and guys that are married and they all preached the gospel. It was amazing. Now, I was the misfit because I wasn't a part of that church or them, them people over there. And so, you know, but they're, they're working for God. I thought, isn't this interesting? Isn't this interesting? Five years from now, will you guys still be in church? Will you still love Jesus? Will you spend time studying? If you go to my house, 
There's books and books and books and books and books and books to kill. Hallelujah. Because I wanted to know. I wanted to know. Do you want to know? Do you really want to know? Look, the offspring. Let me back a little bit. The largest crowd I've ever preached to was 23,000 people. And I was the guest speaker while I was pastoring a little bitty tiny church back here. How they got my name. God says, if you have a closet experience, I'll give you a world-class exposure. I want to ask you, church, young boys, the Godhead is not to be played with. Jesus Christ was the offspring of David and the root of David. He was the ancient of days and the son of man. Hallelujah. The nature of it. And church, when I witnessed, that's how I witnessed the people. They couldn't argue with me. And they didn't know one thing. I had me a Thompson chain Bible. And they thought I was smart, but I wasn't. I just study how to use Thompson chain Bible. And get all my chain references. And rattle all the scriptures if I knew it all. They couldn't argue with it. Amen. But did you know that Jesus Christ is the lion and the lamb? He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Who's coming? Jesus. The Bible says if they have not this truth in them, because there is no light. I believe Jesus is coming. I say, I believe Jesus is coming. I know who is coming. Amen. He's the ancient of days. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Are you glad that Jesus is coming? Anybody here is glad that he's coming? Anybody is glad? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of 